You have questions? We have answers. We're two Southern moms on the backside of raising kids. And we have some things to say. We've lived life, made mistakes, and learned some lessons. Join us for answers to the questions you just want to ask your mom. Hey, welcome to another Just Ask Your Mom podcast. I'm Bonnie Blaylock. And I'm Renee Sproles. And today we are going to be talking about uh, child development. And we have as our guest today, Dr. Courtney Parsons, who is a physical therapist, um, got her degree in Harding in 2015. She has experience working with children with Down syndrome, spina bifida, cerebral palsy, uh, hypertonia, gait issues, orthopedic impairments, and developmental dis- delays, and also Gladys Harms, who has practiced in the field of pediatrics as an occupational therapist for more than 10 years. Gladys has experience in an array of areas, including early child intervention, acute care, inpatient rehab, and outpatient care, treating children with various medical diagnoses, as well as those with fine and visual motor delays, sensory processing, and self-regulation deficits. That's a big mouthful. That's a lot. Thank you all for being here. (laughs) Thank you for being here. And the reason we wanted to talk to you all today is because um, we have a lot of new moms that listen to this podcast, right? And as a new mom, you only have your one child and that's all you know. So maybe you don't know what to look for. um, Maybe you don't know what to compare them against or milestones to see. And so we're going to chat about that today. Yeah. Bonnie and I were talking about this episode Neither of us really knew to even be looking for things. I mean, the big stuff, rolling over, sitting up. But, like, there's plenty of other things. There's more education out there. And I just wish I'd known because um, early intervention can make a big difference, which I'm sure you'll tell us about. So, first of all, let's just let's learn the difference between your two disciplines. Courtney, let's start with you. Talk about what is a physical therapist. Okay, so... Um, I guess I'll start with the difference in like adult and then pediatric. So if we're specifically talking pediatric, then it would be um, gross motor movement, um, developmental delay. So um, when you think of a gross motor movement, it's jumping, walking, crawling, running, those kinds of things, big stuff. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So the type of kid we would see with like a, a delay would be maybe, you know, the doctor flags it and says, hey, uh, this kiddo's not walking and it's he's 15 months old or and so that sometimes will give moms a cue that maybe something is going on um other times you just even have a friend ask you know hey um my baby is not holding my head up cor- holding her head up correctly and so then from there that goes into another conversation but um so yeah there's a huge variety of kids that we would see and as compared to occupational therapy Gladys talked to us about that right and from a pediatric standpoint kind of like um Courtney just said um we look at um the children performing their daily functional tasks um so acquiring skills that they need for their occupations which at that age are play uh lots of self-help um motor uh, gross and fine, okay. uh, visual motor skills, social interaction, and then emotional regulation. That's a so lot. So there yeah, is, like it the is. Social it emotional is. Is, is surprising to me. Right. I would have guessed like gross and fine motor skills, mm-hmm. but even your social interaction, your emotional regulation. Right. Um, and, you know, it's it's a fairly new area um, from when I was in graduate school, um, even until now. There's just so much research now out there and so many more programs that are accessible. That's so does that include great. speech? 
Courtney and I chatted about this prior. <laughs> there's there's so much overlap, especially from a pediatric standpoint with therapies. And so I really am a strong advocate for um, treating the child as a whole. And sometimes, you know, things like the gross motor aspect that Courtney just referred to, um, that can carry over to OT mm-hmm. in more of a, hey, is there a sensory component there? Is there a regulation component? Mm-hmm. Um, is there upper body strength um, that's contributing to okay. it? Is it a visual deficit that we need to address? And okay. then sometimes okay. even that can like trickle down into the speech. So if they can't sit up correctly to have feeding or absolutely, um, mm. or to like swallow their spit or Mm -hmm. those kind of things so i feel like ot especially carries into speech and to pt yeah um so so you can you can have just a speech therapist or you Mm -hmm. can have multiple right therapies Mm -hmm. occupational Mm -hmm. pt so yeah one child could have all right yes okay Mm -hmm. okay and okay so if you're a new mom how the heck are you supposed to know? <laughs> like, what's your child and, and, like, what's maybe alarming? I mean, I know you said, Courtney, maybe a friend says something, and certainly the pediatrician is looking. But um, how do we know? Yeah, every child's different. Every kid is different. Absolutely. <laughs> yep. <laughs> um, we both have children, too. Uh-huh. We can attest to that. <laughs> yes. Um, I think the, you know, the primary referral we get um, is from pediatricians Mm -hmm. so they're so great with their developmental screeners Mm -hmm. and um there's even some sensory screeners now out there that um pediatricians are using a little bit more Mm -hmm. and so that's encouraging to see in practice um sometimes mom will even just recognize something that seems off to her okay and that's what i would encourage any mom that you think something's off bring it to your pediatrician's awareness right and that's going to be your best bet because typically if you feel like something's off, something is probably a little so bit you off. Know, trust your instincts. Trust you know, your instinct. You know mm-hmm. your child. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I was pre- preparing for this episode, I found this great resource. The CDC has um, milestones. Mm-hmm. Yes. Like it's a printable chart, but they also have an app that you can get just on your phone and you can pull up, okay, what should my child be doing at two months old? Mm-hmm. What should my child be doing at three months old? And they they give you just like three little steps. If you're not sure, you know, talk to your pediatrician. Mm-hmm. If your pediatrician's maybe a little bit concerned, talk to a specialist. Be sure you just, you know, advocate right. for your child. And then um, you can call your state or your territory's early intervention program to find out if your child can get services. Yes. yes. And I, of course, again, Bonnie, did you know that? Nope. Not until <laughs> I didn't know that. Not until I talked to other friends, <laughs> include me in on stuff, right? Yeah. Yeah. So it, going off of that, also when we get referrals for early intervention, we can evaluate and see, mm-hmm. you know, if that child qualifies or not. So it's always an just a great option. If even if you or borderline, like, oh, should we or shouldn't we? Go ahead and do it because, you know, that brings, that gives us an opportunity to come into your home or, um, and, you know, assess the child. Mm -hmm. Yeah, assess Mm -hmm. the child's needs. Yeah, so So, uh, we were talking about this um, before we started recording. Our last name is Sproles. (laughs) And sure enough, our son, Houston, he had trouble saying his S's. It was like lisping, you know. Mm. And um, the pediatrician never really said anything about it. And so finally, um, when we moved to Indianapolis, I just asked a friend who was an occupational therapist. Mm-hmm. And she's like, yeah, you, 
you should just get him evaluated. Mm-hmm. You should you should just do that. And he was five by that time. And they said, you know, he didn't need any speech therapy. And I said, oh, that's great. But like, did I wait too long to do this? And they said, you're borderline. Mm-hmm. Waiting till he's five years old. And that freaked me out. Even though they said he didn't need it, it needed to be earlier intervention than that. So I guess my pediatrician was right. He didn't, you know, flag anything. So when they said get evaluated, where did you go to get evaluated? We, there was a speech therapy clinic. Mm-hmm. Oh, you just walked in? And Well, made an appointment, yeah. And, okay. and we sat in a room, and you, there's the the two-way mirror or whatever window <laughs> where you can see in there where they're testing them and stuff. But, okay, let's talk about age-appropriate milestones. Yeah. So what, what should we um, be looking for? Say, like, under one year or something. Or may, you do your own categories. Like, you tell us what, what, we, say what, up should, to we, a year. Yeah. what should we be looking for. So um, for gross motor, um, I'll just kind of tell you what I have um, or what we think is typical. So the big ones like um, rolling. So you want them to roll before they sit. So rolling um, would typically be four to six months. Um, so back to belly and belly to back. And then you want to see consistent, consistent rolling. So that would be four to six months. Consistent rolling like um, every day or like rolling left to right right to left both um sides. like that or rolling from one side of the room to the other so ah, okay. one two three four five <laughs> okay, okay. yeah um sitting is around six months um standing or crawling before standing um nine to eleven months and then standing and walking along furniture nine to eleven months walking 12 12 months but there's there's a range for that too so we can talk about that after we talk about kind of normal all right so that's that, that's helpful those little yeah those are the major mm-hmm. chunks of gross motor things okay so if you get after you get older than that you're gonna talk about other things too i imagine jumping then you're gonna mm-hmm. get into bigger things okay so for little bits at a time uh, anything with ot in, in that right really so age absolutely so we'll kind of focus on the fine and visual motor aspects a little bit um for that, um, by one to three months, we like um, to see the grasping of objects when they're placed in the hand. Things like rattles, the okay. floor mats, reaching for those objects. My granddaughter's already doing that. She's <laughs> so advanced. She's <laughs> bright. <laughs> um, looking at hands, um, this is really important. Bringing those hands to midline. Um, what, okay, what's midline? I keep seeing this word come up. So to the center, um, center hands together. So like maybe hands, hands together holding in each the center other. Of your body, like a yoga pose. Like what you would have to do to clap. Like bringing your hands, hands together, clapping mm-hmm, hands mm-hmm. in the middle of your body. Mm-hmm. Okay, I was thinking midline was waist mm. from the top to bottom. And so think the line center, down. Cut your body in half. Cut your body okay. in half. Okay, all right. From nose to toes. Nose to toes. Okay. Uh, around three to six months, we like um, to see. Um, holding smaller objects, um, bringing those hands to clap at midline, yeah. um, which also goes, um, like Courtney said, there's, you know, a range. So between three to six, six to nine, we like to see those skills emerging for sure. So that's like picking up a Cheerio. That's closer to nine to 12 oh, months. Okay. Um, that's the pincer that okay. I'm sure. Um, oh, okay. Maybe rings a bell mm-hmm, mm-hmm. to some parents. The cheerograph. That's also, okay. Yeah. <laughs> well, In um, layman's terms. That's yeah. right. That's yeah. right. Absolutely. Um, and then, you know, releasing objects with purpose around six to nine. Um, that cause and effect play. Um, those oh. shape sorters. Um, okay. Those type of toys. Um, and then um, isolating that index finger 
around 12 months to set up for the all important important poking or like you know pointing <laughs> so at objects one, it, one their index finger up yeah. to right point. kind okay. of point so yeah. that's when that's interesting because that's when you're turning one years old you say how old are you and they, and they hold up that one. little finger that's right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh that's interesting okay so i'm thinking first of all how was i allowed to raise my children <laughs> I of us. not know any of right. this. There's no class or license for this sort of thing. They and just let us run wild. Thank you. It's by the grace of God that this was not a problem for us. But I, but having been in the homeschool world, I've got to say, um, we're more isolated because we are not in the school system. And a lot of times, homeschoolers are very hippy-dippy and they like, you know, holistic approach to health, which means like not a lot of medical intervention. And so there's very few doctor's visits. And I have had, I was thinking back to um, several students, but one in particular was a teenager in one of my classes. He was maybe 15. And he um, had so many things that stood out to me that he, he couldn't, the social emotional stuff you're talking about, Gladys, was really off. Um, and he couldn't, um, his body awareness was bad. And, um, and we had a conversation and because it was a problem in class. And the parents said, you know, we just thought that was his quirky self. Mm-hmm. And I, it broke my heart. So by then, it's he, way late. It's so late. And, and so they were, then they were trying to hit it from all these different angles which is good they were trying to address it but I thought wow this kid you know has been struggling with a lot of these things you're describing and he didn't have to be so I'm so grateful that you're like Mm. having this conversation with us because I've seen real kids affected by lack of intervention and it's a heartbreaker really because it's not that they can't get help or get better but it's, it's so much harder Right. Courtney and I are huge advocates for the early intervention. Um, We just can't stress that enough. Um, As I mentioned earlier, you know, if you feel like you're even border on it, the the key is to really get started and just um, get those services. Um, I think a lot of homeschool parents, and and I'm sure other parents as well, but they're usually single income families. Right. It's always money. Mm -hmm. And and I see moms avoid getting services because they think they're going to have to pay for it i think that really so tennessee's doing a great job with their early intervention services that they provide so zero to three um if you need services we can come into your home and if your insurance doesn't cover it they pay for it oh my goodness so that's That's speech ot yeah pt and they have a developmental a teacher that comes out wow. so and if you're not at home if you go to a daycare um mm-hmm. we have contracts where we're able to go into the daycares during the day while you're working and you know i know a lot of parents that's stressful too because we're not you know we come into the daycare so they're not seeing us there mm, right. but um i try with my patients to really follow up with pictures and text mm-hmm. and you know hey we're doing this can you work on this that was my next so, thought because yeah, we probably have things to do at home yes as parents mm-hmm. once you've worked with and that's children. that's a huge part is that that home exercise program that's given like pt you know we come or if it's once a week that's one hour a week that's I, only one hour. Yeah, That's not going to do it. I tell yeah. parents mm-hmm. every, yes, um, every evaluation, you know, we see your child for one hour um, a week in most cases mm-hmm. um, and yeah. sometimes more and sometimes less. Mm-hmm. Um, but we really, you know, 
our goal is to work with the entire family. Right. Mm. Oh, that's great. So, and that's just such a nugget for our Tennessee listeners. That, right. That mm-hmm. of wisdom that there are services that are provided mm-hmm. insurance in the state of Tennessee. A lot of states actually have it as well. So check it out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it can't hurt. State. And it can't hurt. That's no, it can't hurt. If you That's think your right. child is borderline or if you're wondering, should I or shouldn't, it, it can't hurt them in any way to go ahead and start this early intervention. And I'm, I'm thinking the CDC site had every state's early intervention information. Oh, that's great. So you can mm-hmm. go on there. Oh, we'll put that on our website. For sure. So you yeah. can go see it. I was going to say, Gladys and I talked about this, about um, with typical development, if you're in that range and or if you're at the later side of that range and you're like, oh, my kid's not doing this, but they are showing emerging signs or they're showing a little bit of progression towards the next thing, then it's not a big worry. So, um, for example, my sister's little boy was about 17 months when he started walking which is 15 months is kind of like hey you gotta you need to start doing something but she was like what's wrong like why is he not walking um and I was like he's showing progress he's you know he's doing the things he's standing up on his own in the middle of the floor or he's starting to let go or so I would never like say hey you need therapy for that but as long as you're seeing those skills merging then it's not Oh no, it's 15 and if months. You don't That's have a great. sister who's a PT. Ask your pediatrician. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. That's great yeah, advice. Yeah. yeah. So, the University of Utah's health website had a good list of the various challenges that a child can experience. Can you talk to us about some of these if I just call them off maybe? Um, there's there's things that are called um, developmental delays. So, right. one of you just talk to us about that. Oh. So, um from my standpoint, it would be those gross motor, big, big milestones. Like so, slower. well, that maybe, um, maybe you have a little bit of low tone, so you're not tucking that chin when you're a little bitty baby. Like low muscle to, tone. Yeah, mm-hmm. okay. low muscle tone, high muscle tone. Those things can affect even the beginnings of high muscle um, tone. Uh-huh. I just think instantly babies would be like all floppy and low muscle tone. Well, you've got but not that. Always. Not always. You've got high muscle tone, which is so. If you think about somebody explained this to me as a rubber band. Okay. Um, if it's overstretched, um, so this would be our low tone overstretched. You takes you more and more times to wrap your hair in it. Okay. If it's understretched, so you're gonna have to work harder with the low tone. With low tone, you're gonna have to work harder to get that muscle contraction. So if you have high tone, let's think of a really small, tight rubber band. You got to work really hard to stretch that muscle out to get that muscle to move. So both of those situations are going to be where you're going to need a little extra help. And sometimes that's all it takes is a little extra. Here, let's practice this motor movement. Let's work on the motor planning. What's an example of a high tone small baby? Um, And like what muscle area would be like a high tone? (laughs) Um... (laughs) Pop quiz. <laughs> yeah. I know. <laughs> I'll take the muscle area. Okay. And definitely and we can see the tone present in mm-hmm. hands, mm-hmm. Um, arms, shoulders, um, legs, mm-hmm. uh, feet for sure. Um, and even like a little bodybuilder base. So in the oral. Just like <laughs> extra, they just remain flexed or they remain closed in a fist? So or? I immediately think of like cerebral palsy. Um, and those babies, like if you have somebody with hypertonia, so spasticity, they've got, they're here. So kinda they're, clenched. I mean, they're, they're clenched, clenched. kind of clenched. Yeah. Okay. Um, okay. They've got a high arm guard. They kind of stay here. Sh- Everything. Okay, she's, she's saying high arm guard. She's scrunching shrugging her shoulders, shoulders up, up towards her ears. Rigid. Yeah. Rigid. Yeah. Okay. Rigid. That's a good okay. word. Yeah. Okay. Okay. That's, that's helpful. And then a loose would be like Renee was saying more floppy. floppy. Okay. So yeah. 
Um, very low tone, floppy. Very floppy. <laughs> yeah, nailed it. So, like, yeah, not holding your head. Not holding your head. Lots of drool. Um, mm-hmm. Have a oh, yeah. difficult time kind of containing that okay. in the oral cavity. For and sure. typically, when you see low tone, you see like their feet. So if you move their feet up, there's a ton of movement. Um, that's see your physical therapist Super or. Physical. <laughs> wow. um, okay. Yeah. Uh, so. And then, okay, so the next one is fine motor skills, which you described somewhat, Gladys, but just the small movements, right? Of our fingers, toes. <laughs> There's so many components mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. fine motor skills, absolutely. Uh, grass patterns, for sure, um, are in there. Um, but more so um, how those grass patterns carry over to later things like handwriting. Mm-hmm. Oh, um, okay. This and is boys, why that's okay, important. Listen, boys oh, handwriting yes. is boys never always as good get as girls. Terrible. They oh always get the bad rap, those boys. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. Well, there's a reason. There's a reason. Listen, we compared, like, I saved all our homeschooling papers because I was afraid the police were going to come. So I always had, like, a box of papers. They never came. <laughs> but I, we pulled Houston's papers out for fun when he was graduating and his first grade paper and his sixth grade paper the handwriting the only difference was the height <laughs> it was like pretty much the same neatness but it just got smaller <laughs> i can attest i was mortified sitting my oldest boy to kindergarten and having to admit that i was an occupational <laughs> Because his handwriting, which was displayed in the hallway uh-huh. every week, yes. it would, yes, it was very cringeworthy. So no, wait, but okay. there's a range. There's yes. a range. There is a range. Yes. Of, of seeing progression. And Houston, you're great. You're an amazing student. We love you. <laughs> yeah. Your, your handwriting's fine. Yeah. See? Yeah. 20 years later, you're all good. <laughs> it's so fun when your mom has a podcast <laughs> for an example every time. Throw you under that bus every week. So I thought an interesting one in here was um, lips and tongue. So are we looking at, does that maybe have an effect on breastfeeding or feeding? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Courtney, How you can you suck? Wanna... <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. Just I'll personal share. Um, and my oldest had a lip tie mm-hmm. and that really impacted. And had I known, um, I feel like I needed to do a little bit more research, um, just personal research um, de- before delving into mm-hmm. all the feeding stuff prior because it's not a big so a lip tie and a tongue tie mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i've heard that a lot recently because i have lots of friends who are having babies mm-hmm. um that affects their ability to to swallow and then they so they they have like the swallow reflex sorry swallow reflex um and then there's also i mean you have muscles in your cheeks so some babies that if they have a tie they're not able to use that the that natural swallowing progression and they end up overturning with their cheeks and their muscles in their jaw um, so sometimes that's harder on the mom too, um, not fully emptying the mom or, um, mm-hmm. so. So you, I know you've worked with some of my friends' mm-hmm. children on that, but then sometimes they have to have a procedure yes. as well. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they have to have a release. Yeah. So, um, my sister actually had to do that. And then after the release stretching and stuff, but, um, some of that also goes into the positioning part, which is really what I would do, um, as far as PT, um, going in and like helping set up for a successful breastfeeding session or stretching those neck muscles and making sure that they've got the motion to get up there and actually do what they need to do. Mm -hmm. Wow. Like there's so much in this to know. I mean, so interesting. Helpful to have someone help me breastfeed. Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't a misery at the beginning. So to know that this is available Mm -hmm. to you, if you're having trouble breastfeeding, if you're seeing issues or, you know, screaming the whole time and they're hungry all the time, 
maybe there's a cause to that. It's mm-hmm. not your fault. You're not a bad mom, you know? No. So you ask your pediatrician Go ask. again and mm-hmm. say, like, we're having trouble nursing. I would never have thought to do that. Ask your pediatrician. There's also a lactation specialist okay. that you can call into your home, which is what I did, and I loved that. Um, then there's, like, La Leche League, which is, like, free to anyone at any time, so you can call a certain number. Um, so there are so many Lots programs for, mm-hmm, especially for that. Very cool. All right, so another one I thought was interesting was um, – visual processing yeah so what is that and how do you know because babies like they can barely see so much in front of their face right 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 um again (laughs) there's there's so many components to visual processing and once you get uh to the older kiddos um that plays a part in handwriting too mm-hmm. um and reading I mean, and reading and yeah absolutely reading and writing are the primary ones it yeah. can also be as simple um as you know if there's a visual deficit going into a room and saying hey can you go get your shoes and the child just not being able to scan the room to locate okay. those, um, mm-hmm. okay. you know, not having the visual processing to say, oh, you know, I need to start in this corner and, you See, know, as work a mom, this way. I, my immediate thing would be like, why are you disobeying me? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. I would be frustrated that they weren't doing what I asked them right. and not think, okay, can they scan the room? Right. Not all behavior is willful disobedience. That's right. That's right. And some, sorry, sometimes you can catch that from a really young age when they're playing with a toy. If you see them favoring a certain side, if you see them always turning their head to one side and looking out with the right, maybe there's a visual deficit going on to where. So helpful. Huh. They are not wow. able to actually see And a see lot that. of these skills, too, going off what Courtney said, are tied together, too, um, mm-hmm. and come to play a part later. Um, because if you don't have a good foundation for some of these skills, um, like, you know, for example, you don't have the strength um, in your hands. Um, and there's a visual problem going on, then tying shoes is going to be <laughs> impossible. Impossible. Yeah. Um, riding a bike. Um, I'm sure. Walking across. Walking mm-hmm. across mm-hmm. the theme. Yeah. Or just stairs. Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. So, so some of these things you wouldn't maybe catch until they were older. You know, Could three, be. four, mm-hmm. five years old. Right. You know, like handwriting. When did we even start handwriting? Mm-hmm. Not when they were little. Yeah. Yeah, and some kids not knowing, like, distance, like, visual deficits and distance, too, like, until they're sitting in a classroom at the back and they can't read the board. Right. So for kids, they, like we just said, they, that's the way their world is, and they're so good at compensating. Mm -hmm. Right. That... They are masters, parent, especially if you're a busy parent. If you've got yeah. more than one child, yeah. if you've got li- you know many maybe that you're dealing with on different areas, you could miss that so easily. Mm-hmm. Um, it would just slide right by because they're they're just masters of disguise. Yeah, right. Adaptable, adaptable, adaptable. Um, okay, talk to us about sensory processing because like we no. hear this word. I have heard all it. I never time. have never yeah. heard it until the past I don't know ten years yeah. something like that, now and then all, all of a time. sudden. Definitely a hot topic. It was a thing. Absolutely. So I'm going to give a brief definition of just sensory integration. Basically, it's the organization of sensations received by the body through touch, sight, hearing, taste, smell, balance, and then body position. Okay. People tend to forget the body position (laughs) um, every once in a while. And that plays a key, you know, um, especially with crossover to Courtney over here. Um, you know, poor body awareness. Um, 
like position so, in space. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Self in space. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You don't know if you're too close to someone or clumsy too- kiddos. Okay. Yeah. Those kiddos that um, have you know that are the. <laughs> Couch. My sister was forever walking into walls. Yes, uh, the Bonnie, couch flowers. How many years did Ben trip right. up my stairs right. and down? Yeah, them. well, he never got help. Sorry, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> sweet little ones that during group time they tend to sit in their peers' laps. Mm-hmm. Those guys okay. that just okay. don't have that awareness quite in tune. Okay, interesting. So, oh. so what does some what does some sensory like a kid with a sensory processing disorder might do? X. What? Besides, okay, she'd sit in their neighbor's lap, but right. like, what else? But like with some other kind of yeah. other senses. So would noises, would loud noises bother them? Right, okay, yeah. and they're such, um, kind of stepping back to um, on the little kiddos that wanted to sit in each other's laps. There's a spectrum, and so you also have the kids that don't want to be a part of the group uh, at all yeah. because, uh, hey, that group is loud, and they are being touchy-feely, and I don't want them to hear me yeah. in my space. Mm-hmm. So, and the same thing with, you know, those auditory kiddos. Some kids seek that noise. Mm-hmm. They want, you know, they're the life of the, the party animals, you know, the, yeah. we're going to make all the music, all the sounds. Yeah. Interesting. So is that like sensory seeker and. Right. Avoider. Sensory, sensory avoider. avoider. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So, yeah. So. So the goal is not to make everyone the same. Right. Mm-hmm. Each person has. A comfort level. A comfort yes. Level. Like a bunch of right. loud background noise. Uh, and I don't, tactily, I, and orally, um, I don't like yogurt with any kind of fruit or okay. mixed okay. items okay. in it. It sends me completely over the edge. <laughs> <laughs> I literally carry earplugs in my car because when Ellie and Noah are both talking at the same time, I it like makes me almost crazy. Yeah. It makes me feel almost crazy. So I have to like dampen it a little bit. Right? Right. Mm-hmm. And when your brain's receiving all that information, for us, typically, you know, it it's not a traffic jam. And in some of these kiddos, oh, okay. it forces, it, it, you know, it makes them, you know, it's too much or too little. And those yeah. responses or that information gets crossed. It doesn't get crossed properly. Does that okay. make sense? Yes. 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 So you're teaching, you're teaching a child how to, how to kind of help the brain organize? Absolutely. Oh. Yeah. That's what you're doing. There you go. Absolutely. Yeah. So I'm thinking of like, um, so in terms of oral sensitivity like you said with foods that's tricky because Mm -hmm. like kids can be picky Mm -hmm. so you don't so you don't know um necessarily from just like one clue I would guess you know and I always tell parents um it you know we seek services when there's such an impairment that it's causing stress on Mm -hmm. participation in daily tasks okay so if it's impacting their play if it's impacting their engagement in the classroom or even at homeschool to get them to focus on their work, then, you know, then we have an issue. If they're only eating peanut butter and goldfish crackers, which I have one at home, (laughs) 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 may or may not, um, (laughs) then it's, it's time to branch out and address that. Address it. Okay. Okay. So it's not just that you, okay, I'm spitting out broccoli. Yeah. Mm. I need help. Mm -hmm. It's not like that. No. Okay. Yeah. It's like I can only, um, remember the episode we did with the the child that can only eat like the turkey loaf? Yeah. He only could eat the turkey loaf. That was it. And he convinced, like his brain would only accept that. For like three years, his parents did turkey loaf. (laughs) They 
their lives revolved around it. Like, mm. ugh. <laughs> All right, so you mentioned this earlier. I want to talk about it more, the social interaction skills. But what are some red flags there? I think withdrawing from the groups on a consistent basis where a child does not want to participate and shuts down, that's a definite red flag. Um, That they don't feel comfortable enough, especially with peers, um, to interact and play. So if you're in a group setting like church and um, we're completely withdrawing and, you know, want to stay with mom the entire Mm. session, Mm -hmm. especially past a certain age, Mm -hmm. it's, you know, then maybe it's time to explore some options for that. Interesting. Wow. Do you know very many homeschoolers? Because there's a lot of us that are awkward. This would be hard to know. This would really be hard to know. <laughs> Bonnie's cringing, but listen, I'm a homeschooler or a former homeschooler, so I can say it. You know, the social interaction is not always great. I mean, I thought my kids' social interaction was great because we worked on it. Well, like, we it's, a, it's kind of a it. chicken and an egg thing. Like, are you staying at home because you're socially awkward or are you, you know, the other way around? Are you socially awkward because you're staying at home? Because you're staying home. Right. And we were, that's why we were intentional about like the groups that we participated mm-hmm. in. You just hit it. I think if you're intentional about those and creating those and fostering those. Mm -hmm. Sometimes um, we just think, oh, that's my quirky kid. You know, oh, that's just my kid. That's just the way they are. Mm -hmm. But um, this is helpful to, like, have some boundary markers to go, you know what? If the kid... That might be out of bounds. If the kids are having... If they're fixated, which I know. I mean, I live Pokemon. But um, if they they can't break away from that Uh in a normal conversation, then, you know, that's another red flag. So um, if they touch, I'm interested in touch because human interaction is all about Mm -hmm. gestures Mm -hmm. and body language and patting on the back or whatever. But if that's misinterpreted or you feel that scared by that, I would imagine it's harder to make friends. It is. It is. Um, and definitely picking up on those. There's so many great social groups um, and social programs that we use now. Um, Superflex is one of them. And what it is is there's um, all these different um, superheroes and they're things like Body Snatcher or... Um, rock brain and all these characters have different social things that they work on like taking our body away from the group when you're participating in a group or one that fixates on video games but not being able to switch over to talk about or get work done yeah so there's great social programs out there and we use those in therapy wow Wow. (laughs) interesting yeah so how, okay, Courtney, how long would this last? Like if I bring my child to you for physical therapy, like how, what's there, is there a range of time? Or, I mean, I know every child is unique, but is there an average? Um, my answer would be no, there's not really an average. Um, bec- because each child is unique. Um, and it just, it all honestly would depend on what they're coming to therapy for. So if you had a... Um, CP, spine bifida, that kind of thing, you're going to be a little bit longer term because you're going to be coming and adapting all the time. So we have equipment we have to worry about. We have making sure you're able to get through your home, making sure you're able to get to school, making sure you're able to get to your car. Um, So new challenges present in each area. So Mm -hmm. 
Um, those will be, be typically a, it might be a way of life. It may be a way of life, and a lot of the times, I think that's what happens. I mean, I have a kiddo that he still comes to Ellie and Noah's birthdays parties and stuff like that. And I mean, you make friends and family for life with these patients. Um, and then on the other side, so development. Um, okay. If they're not walking yet, and there is not a major deficit, if it's just a strengthening kind of thing, I would say three to four months, maybe. Okay. Um, and that's that's if they're not like right on the edge so it just depends on it really depends on the kid so I'm wondering so like I bring my child to you for um, learning how to walk helping learn how to walk just sometimes when you get that mastered um, something that was kind of in the background come forward like oh hey now we've uncovered yes um and sometimes you'll see a little bit of a regression of a strength so um kind of with torticollis let me uh if if you have like that Torticollis is a muscle um, tightening (laughs) in your your neck, um, and it would cause a side bend one direction, a rotational look the opposite direction. So normally once we get to midline and then we get to the next skill, you see a reversion back to that because they're like, oh, no, I've got to go to my safe spot where I am comfortable. like muscle memory. Muscle memory. Uh So it's really... um, So it's it's two steps forward, one back maybe. Sometimes. Sometimes. Mm -hmm. Sometimes. Mm-hmm. So when we get up to walking, if if they were incorrectly pulling the stand and sometimes they're up on their toes or um, so then we have to work on staying on our heels. But typically once we get to that walking, if there's not a major deficit, it is from here on we are good to go. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. So especially with torticollis, like once I get to walking and they're not tilting, then I don't really see any other reversion. Right. Re- right. Then they can go. <laughs> yeah. Reversion is that a word? So we, we said um, zero to one was our age group. Um, is there anything in particular you look at after that? Like gross motor, like one of our um, guests that we had previously was talking about the importance of going outside and playing. Mm, play, play, play. Um, and how that, I was so surprised by this, how they're seeing more and more people, more and more kids who like don't balance because they never <laughs> get a chance to risk balance or they can't climb. Like their strength is just not there because they're just not doing those physical activities. Courtney and I chatted a bit prior (laughs) to this. And, you know, going off that too, playgrounds have changed Mm -hmm. so much Mm -hmm. since even, you know, the 80s. Right, right. Um, They're kind of weenie now. A little bit. They're little weenie playgrounds (laughs) that we play on. You don't have that hot metal slide. The hot metal slide. The metal bar jungle gyms. They were like scalding hot and 15 feet in the air. (laughs) But what did you do on those? Did you hang upside down? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And now how do kids get the opportunities to hang upside down? Goodness, they do. I mean, I absolutely, you know, um, I'm not when mine hang upside my couch at home um as a parent i want to scream but as a therapist i'm like their vestibular system needs that input yes <laughs> that's awesome yes that's, that's awesome. what we all think yes oh yes what a lovely vestibular um, system my child has there's like a little trick that i like to tell parents whenever your kids get to an area where they're mastering it on a flat surface take them outside throw some cushions on the floor make it harder so um so with like crawling even that strengthening once i'm good foot on the floor well let's throw some challenges let's put a blanket on the floor and let's put pillows underneath it and let's crawl over that baby ninja course yeah and from a sensory component mm -hmm. get them out and crawl in the grass in the grass leaves yes mulch sand into and out of a sandbox you know anything all the so just think of ways you can make it harder once they're doing it pretty well 
Oh, that's a great, that's a great little Add as many right variousness, various yeah. variations and experiences as yeah. possible. Mm-hmm. And that will help mm-hmm. the development. So you are seeing that a lot. You got really anima- animated that kids yes. are not getting out we to did. play as much as they I need. mean, even sometimes fear of swings. It's like. Wow. Mm-hmm. Huge advocates for play. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Over here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's huge. Easy, that's that's, that's such their an easy, job. great thing to do. Really? Yeah. Like, get outside. Get that's outside. That's your kid's only job. Mm-hmm. Let them do it. Um, okay, so some of the things you've described are um, like congenital, so CP mm-hmm. and things mm-hmm. like that. That's one That's one thing that would cause a need for a therapy. Mm-hmm. Um, but if our, your child's not born with a diagnosable disease, like what's some other causes? There are some traumatic like birth injuries that can happen. Um, Brachial plexus injury would mm-hmm. be one for sure. What, what is that? So sometimes even, I don't know, sometimes they have to break the collarbone to get the child out. Or sometimes there is a um, A sublux uh or a dislocation of the shoulder and it can damage. So the brachial plexus is the nerves and the nerve roots Mm -hmm. that contribute to basically Um, all upper extremity arm. arm. All Uh the way out, yeah. All the way to fingers. All the way to Mm -hmm. the tips of your fingers. And so if there's an injury to that, you see... A lot of decreased mobility, mm-hmm. increased mm-hmm. Um, sensitivity to mm-hmm. touch, um, mm-hmm. decrease as well. Yeah. And some things just like speech therapy, those are just inherited too, right? Yeah. And they just don't show themselves till they start talking. Mm-hmm. That's another thing. Like muscle tone is, it can just be inherited. There okay. are genetic stuff that can go into it. And sometimes it's not something that even needs to be diagnosed. It's just like, hey, we're just going to have to work through this right. and need a little extra help. Um but the things you could look for with that would be like not being able to tuck your chin and come up. Like if you're pulling your baby to sit by their arms or by their shoulders, if they're not tucking that chin by about eight weeks, then you really should. Did not know that. Did not. I'm looking at Bonnie going, uh, yet again, another piece of information. I did not know. How would you know unless you know? <laughs> your, doctor, know. your doctor should do that when for you're going you. for your checkup. You yes. Right. When you're going yeah. in for checkups, yeah. that's mm-hmm. one of the things that they're they're looking to make sure those reflexes are integrated so probably and already looked and said mm-hmm. okay check that box no need mm-hmm. to even mention it which no, is why yes. it's not about yeah yeah but but okay. emma just went to her first checkup with um dotty lou and she did came she came back with a sheet mm-hmm. and it was the checklist mm-hmm. that the doctor did and this is how many hours the baby your age should be sleeping this is what i'm looking for this is and this is the percentile of your weight and your mm-hmm. head and you know, cool. circumference of your head and all those things. With my first one, I went in at our six-week appointment, and I was like, oh, this reflex is not integrated. And he la- our pediatrician <laughs> laughed, and he said, you're going to have to leave the therapist <laughs> outside the door. I'm not doing this with you, I'm lady. not <laughs> doing the reflex. <laughs> oh, yeah. my goodness. So, so you said earlier intervention is better. Yes. The earlier the better, the yes. earlier the better. So mm-hmm. between this app we can get, let's, you know, just informing yourself and talking mm-hmm. to your pediatrician, you should be able to mm-hmm. catch what you need mm-hmm. to catch. There are lots of like great little, even like Instagram or Facebook mm-hmm. pages where moms talk about milestones or, or a PT will have an Instagram where they'll be like, this is what your child should look like at this age. And here's some things to help. So there are lots of things now that moms can find. And there's so a great, great Instagram account called at healthiest underscore baby. And it's by a pediatrician. I just love it. It's in these fun little bite-sized chunks, just like you were talking mm-hmm. about what should your baby be doing at each age? Um, how do you play with a mm-hmm. one month old or two month old or whatever? Man, so. I wish I'd had that. Yes, I'm just looking at this so old helpful. Lump of human going, what am I supposed to do with exactly. you? And there's tons of things you 
can do. You really can. Yeah. There's another app that I like called Wonder Weeks that just kind of talks we, about. Yes, um, I'm a huge Wonder Weeks yes. advocate as well. <laughs> and yes. it talks about like what's going on in the brain at that time. So it'll give you like their fussy periods and then be like, oh, they can now see. 12 inches in front of their face oh, or they're really going to be interested in black and white toys at this age and contrast and and they have these uh, mm-hmm. this neat thing called storming period yeah so it's a great so time helpful. <laughs> so helpful as a yeah, I didn't know that either what's the storming period it's um, a fussy period before they're going to start with these new skills so their brain is oh learning hyper all of this hyper yes oh, and brain. so they're fussy 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 and then all of a sudden they're doing these skills and you're like oh you can lift up the mat and look under there. What are you doing? But it's just, I don't know. It's cute. That's awesome. It's that very really, neat. I that, love that. That would really have just take some of the mystery out of yeah. them. Yes. yes. Of like what's going on. Yeah. That was like my saving grace with with Noah, especially. Same. He would fuss, fuss, and I'd be like, oh, no, let me look at my app. Oh, yes, he's in a stormy period. Oh, just a few more days. So we can do it. I love that. And then it would be like, bam, here's a new skill. Yes. And every time. Mm-hmm. Every time. Mm-hmm. Do you feel like we... We lived in the dark ages. You Bonnie. got you. I, you did. <laughs> I know. We, I didn't even have an app. I didn't. There wasn't even. There were an no app. apps. No, there no. were no apps. Okay, I want to talk about um, toys and things because oh, yeah. I yes. love. I, t- Courtney gets triggered when we talk about toys. <laughs> I do. Bad toys, good toys. Um, and I didn't even know there was a thing like this was. A topic. Yeah. So I'm I think really we're interested. Most passionate about play and toys. <laughs> yes, that's our life. <laughs> yes. So what do we use? What do parents use that they're not aware of that's not so great? Oh, uh, the number one. <laughs> number one for us is the Bumbo seat. Yes. Um, there's some, some of the Bumbo brand is fine, but there's this Bumbo seat and it's got a huge dip in the seat part. Where your bottom goes. Where your bottom goes. Okay. And it just sets the baby up for all kinds of bad habits. So they're not using their core. They're not looking like they would if they were sitting on the ground. They're not um, able to feel any proprioceptive input through their feet because their feet are just dangling. Um, Their hips are just not in a great position for, to set things up like feeding later on. Mm -hmm. What What age would you use this toy? Or this age? It's a positional seat. I've seen, oh, younger than three months. Okay. Um, and that's a no, Courtney's no. shaking her that's head. No. 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 Absolutely. no. Yeah, no, it is. So they should be sitting up, like, with maybe with you on the floor. Yes. On a blanket or something. You can even, I mean, I'm not saying don't use a toy. There's some other options. Mm-hmm. Like, there's an, it's called an up seat, and it's flat. The bottom's flat. So I would just, my recommendation when looking for something to sit your child in is, what would they be looking like if they were sitting on this ground right here? Let me oh, find okay. something that looks most like that. So I even, uh, we talked about, like, sometimes people use a laundry basket. Mm-hmm. They sit there. Sit a weight in the laundry right. basket. Cheap and easy. I love it. Yeah. Um, and make sure it's not going to flip. But um, they're pretty much, they've got the control of their back. They feel that, oh, I need to sit back up. Or I'm falling forward. i got to push myself back up. Or, um, I will that, say, with the Bumbo, mm-hmm. um, placement is key, too. Because I've seen a lot of uh, pictures on social media <laughs> of on counters, which, as a parent, I completely get that. Because when you're making dinner, yeah, you, you know, yes. yes, they're right there. But, um Younger babies, those reflexes, some of them have not integrated. And so we kick back some. And so if they throw themselves back mm-hmm. and don't catch that, then, you know, it they're already at a bad position, too. And then you're looking at, you know, Injured. going over the counter. Too. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Also, a tip for, like, thinking if they're ready or not to be in some kind of seat. If they're not rolling, don't put them in a seat. Mm-hmm. Okay. If they're not rolling over side to side. Great. Good. 
don't put them in a seat. Good don't put them in a seat. They're not rolling. No seats. No mm-hmm. seats. Okay. So, okay, what else? Good stuff, bad stuff? What do you like? Um, there, There's another seat called the Sit Me Up, um, and it's elevated. So the, the bottom seat is elevated, so their feet are down. They're kind of like, I don't know how to explain this, but if you see it, you'll... You can look up a sit me up. Um, I just don't like that either. They're so not, not in flat. in a good position. Okay. No, okay. it doesn't. You you're looking for their hips to be in an M position when you're looking at them, and so that's sitting on the floor okay. or like a ring sitting, which is position is key. Yeah. Yeah. If you haven't, if we haven't gotten that across, position, <laughs> position yeah. is key. Um, um, the next big. No, no, would be the exosaucer. We know that's a uh, front row. No, oh, my you can did have that. You can are you use. Kidding? Wait, there are. <laughs> There's it, better ones. Like so, a stationary exosaucer. That's what we have. Not a walker. Perfect. Not a walking one. Oh, okay, Emma and Houston, you're fine. <laughs> so there's like Take a. Deep breath. <laughs> there's one specific type of exosaucer where you can walk in a circle around it. The ba- there's it, I don't oh. know what. I do not use that one because they're going in one direction. And then, I mean, you can go the other direction, but any mobile exercise when they're not re- prepared to walk is going to encourage tippy toes. And so we're going to overstrengthen our calves and have a more potential when it's time to walk to be our, all of our weight forward, which when we are standing, most of our weight is centered over our heels. Right. Right. Um, so, so what, are, what walk aids are there? Like the walkers or a walker like a, like a push, push walker mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. okay oh um okay what about the little seats that hang in the doorways the jumpy seats i am gonna confess i did use that with noah um but if he was not able to touch the ground i brought the floor to him so oh. bringing it to where his feet were completely touching the ground so same with an exorcister if okay. it's not quite if your kids tippy toes are just hitting the bottom put some blankets foam books. books foam oh, yeah or, well okay. i know foam books are yeah but the, okay uh, larger books mm-hmm. um towel rolls are wonderful just to stack stack mm-hmm. some towels done so their feet are flat mm-hmm. yeah so their feet are flat okay cool. so you're but just that avoid- doesn't come in the instructions you, for that no it doesn't well i don't think I don't. that's what i was saying i was like i wonder if some of the manufacturers don't really know what they're doing <laughs> 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 no, so no. i don't think they would do that deliberately <laughs> i feel like the number one you just put them in before they're ready to yes and because, so just mm-hmm. be mindful of that and it's not it's not a I would put out there, if you're going to use an extra saucer, you're going to use a seat mm-hmm. 10 to 15 minutes, maybe two to three times a day. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would always say okay. do at least that amount or more of floor time. So as compared to in, in a, okay. yeah, in a um, container. In a container. Okay. So, okay. And floor time o- really open concept is houses and floor time. <laughs> like show me the baby gates that are 10 feet long and right i mean because it's like the wild west out there when they're crawling around it's a good point <laughs> yeah you can get those uh what are those those big baby gates the corrals they're, yeah they're like yeah, a little baby corral yeah a little baby corral yeah um, i mean i get that like i it's just certain houses are and financially you have to, it's one more thing to buy but yeah you can barricade them in <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that's right um, shift so the furniture two to one florida whatever yes you're that's great in. okay mm-hmm. all right good, good to, to know. know yeah I what about like i'm just upping my grandma game like oh totally <laughs> with this interview. she is gonna be like some kind of rocket scientist probably at the end of this so that, those are um like big mm-hmm. pt mm-hmm. kind of toys so what about mm-hmm. smaller you mentioned the shape um, sorters yeah, and things sorters like that. Sorters are awesome. Um, your basic rattle, there's so much to come from that too. Uh, from Grasping. an early age, um, from a visual standpoint, being able to track it, 
um, to being able to reach out to grasp it. That's okay. a good, you know, first one for sure. Um, those oboe balls, oboe, oboe balls are really fantastic. Is that the squishy balls? Um, they're the, the holes ones in them. Oh, they have the have holes, holes in, in them. Yeah. yeah. Those so look they fun. can grasp. Yeah, they yeah. are. And they really help, um, with the grasp a little bit okay. more. Um, and they're great to hold at midline. Um, okay. which are good ones. Um, Shape sorters for the older ones, those, uh, the piggy, Fisher, ba- uh, Fisher Price piggy banks, the large coins with okay. the slots. Um, there's so many good components to that one. Um, any uh, pool item, I know strings can be a hazard at times, but, um, you know, any of those like walking dogs, toys oh, yeah. that you Dragging can pull. Dragging it behind you, pulling yeah, it. Yeah, pulling it yeah. are great ones. Puzzles. What about little the little wooden puzzles? I remember with the Melissa and Doug. Yeah, they're fabulous. Yeah, yeah. larger the they ha- Melissa and Doug have just fantastic three large pegs. That's what know. I'm remembering, yeah, like the farm animals with mm-hmm. the three big pegs and things like Those that. Those are great investments. Yeah, um, from a sensory component too. Um, there's so many great resources on social media now. Um, you know, parents that um, are so mindful of giving that sensory component, like filling Ziploc bags full of paint and letting yes. them, you know, explore even from an early age, you know, the baby's just pushing around the paint. We in did the that Ziploc with dish bag. Soap. Yes. Dawn yeah. dishwashing liquid. And mm-hmm. we had her draw with her finger, like mm-hmm. letters and things like that. Putting. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Food even. Oh, cool. Whip. Cool. Yeah. Whip. So Play-Doh yeah. and things like that. Absolutely. Yeah. Mag- model magic. See, I love that. That's not necessarily extra cost. Kinetic the stuff you have around your house already. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Oh, that's great. These are great. I don't think we did so bad now. After, I'm feeling end, better. I'm glad we're ending with the toys. Yeah. Because I feel like, okay, I had a lot of those. Yeah, I think I did that too. So. <laughs> okay, yeah, I know. But all that other stuff. Oh, my goodness. So is there, are there any other like nuggets of wisdom that we didn't cover that you guys think, oh, yeah, yeah. we should have Or I w- like, I wish you'd asked me this. Like, what would you, what would you want to share um, with moms? I know I talked about like challenging your kids in play, but also – letting them play and you helping facilitate. Mm-hmm. So if they're learning to walk, not necessarily holding their hands and ha- making them walk or, um, I mean, you can do that, but mm-hmm. bringing something down to them. So like taking a towel maybe instead and holding it between your hands and letting them hold the towel. So it oh. challenges their balance or oh, keeping, or um, huh. I saw something climbing up a slide, like helping them climb the slide, but not holding their hands, but helping support them while they climb. Not or, your hand by their little tushy. Yeah, by their know, tushy hold, yeah. or holding their trunk. Yeah. And um, so like helping them the way they're doing it, if that makes sense, rather yeah. than mm-hmm. just jumping in there. Jumping in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so kind of watch and see sense. what they're going to do and then facilitate. Yeah, facilitate mm-hmm. it. I think she talked about towel rolls. So if they're if you are going into a into a container or a seat where you're going to start trying that, taking so a towel roll, you can even use a blanket. Roll it really tight, like a little cylinder, mm-hmm. and then you can tuck it in beside them or tuck it under their arm to just like encourage that encourage position them to you sit want. Up. Rolls are yeah. yes, the keys. Yes, uh, that's good tummy for grocery time. carts tummy too. Time. Yes, yeah. if you're out shopping. Tummy oh, time. Tummy time. Talking if, about yeah. tummy time. If you have a you know, a little one that's really struggling with tummy time, which odds are, yeah, yes, it's hard. Yeah. you're going to have work. one. Um, towel rolls 
um, to kind of elevate their, you know, their chest up a little so bit. So under their chest. Yes, under their chest. Uh-huh. Just it just bit. helps them kind of raise up a little bit. Another little tip with tummy time is to elevate the baby. Like, so put them on the couch so your face is in their face. Yes. So they can, they're really encouraged by mama, you know. So um, putting them on a surface where you're, they're able to see a little bit more so that they're encouraged to look up. Mm. Um, instead of just face planting. Instead of just <laughs> looking at the ground. <laughs> bam. Well, bam. It's <laughs> a hard life, man. I know. It's a hard life. Those are, those are good. What else you got for us? Mm. I also like to tell parents to roll babies into tummy time and not just place them down on their belly so that they're getting that, oh, if I roll or, oh, you know, it's like I a whole proprioception. Myself. Like I'm feeling my body move into this and I'm not scared that I'm just going straight down on my face to the ground. Um, so start on their back and roll them roll into the tummy. Gently. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. What, anything else, Courtney uh, or Gladys, either one that we haven't touched? I did like alternating. Somebody else said mentioned this at one point, but alternating the side of the crib you ba- you lay your baby's head on. Mm-hmm. Oh. Um, so Never did sometimes that. they put their head on this side, sometimes on this side, but just like different positions for pressure on their head okay. as well. Um, because if they do develop a preference towards one side, then you will start seeing flattening like on flattening, that side yeah, or right. or okay. a muscle start getting tight um but same thing with like in a car seat if they're constantly kind of leaning over to one side you can always tuck a little towel rolled up under that little flap where they have their head to keep them in the middle midline so, we're looking like, at look the for, midline. midline look for that symmetric I've, posture I've that it's our today. word for the week yes. <laughs> and we really honestly we there's so much mm-hmm. it, it there's just so much information um but during play you know the w position we didn't really get into that yes, at all w um, position. for your hips so too. that would be this just the little kiddos so your knees that, are together it's almost a kneeling out. position but you're Feet are outside, mm-hmm. yeah, and not under your bottom. Mm-hmm. So, is that good or bad? It's p- very bad for your hips. Oh, it's bad for your hips. Okay. Mm-hmm. So if you see that, typically you'll see a deficit of strength in their core or their hips, especially. Oh, so they're compensating. By yes, that. they so are compensating. They're getting a larger base of support. Oh, right. on the ground. Of course they are. And of some of our are. little sensory seekers seek that input because it's putting more pressure mm-hmm. on those body parts too. So sometimes there can be a sensory component to that as well. Okay. Huh. Yeah. All, all the stuff. So a lot of the stuff you're describing are is the yoga pose like. Mm-hmm. Yoga is great. Mm-hmm. Because like great. I just dabble in yoga and um all the things you're describing are very similar to positions like mm-hmm. beginner positions. We do a lot of yoga in OT for okay. self-regulation too. It's just a fantastic Call tool. Integration. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, reflex integration is another. We use yoga. Cool. There's actually a program called Yoga Gorilla for kids. <laughs> yoga Maybe that's what I need to do. <laughs> it has a gorilla like do all the poses, but it's genius. Yeah. <laughs> kids love it. Yeah. Kids love it. I know. I mean, even at three, Emma was down in the floor with yeah, me. She wanted to totally be doing do the yoga, laying across me when I'm doing up dog and down dog and all the things. <laughs> During COVID, <Yeah>. um, <laughs> we were on the hunt for anything, and there was a cosmic yoga um, and go noodle had fantastic like movement opportunities for kiddos nice. and I've carried that over and use it in therapy now too yeah, right it's really really yeah it's really good for balance and mm-hmm. stretching so much yeah really cool. body yeah those are awesome resources y'all have just been delightful fantastic I'm so grateful for, for you not just for this interview just but also that we're friends and I can yeah. just <laughs> glean so much information um 
from you for the future. And if you have um, interest in any of these things that we've mentioned, um, that Gladys and Courtney have mentioned, it'll be on our website at justaskyourmom.com. So you can check it out there. You can find us on Facebook at Just Ask Your Mom and on Instagram at Just Ask Your Mom Podcast. Yep. And if you're listening, please rate uh, the podcast and give us a review or leave a comment. Um, you can always email us with questions or topics at Just Ask Your Mom Podcast at gmail.com. And we'll see you next time on Just Ask Your Mom. <laughs>